Welcome to Straight from the CPA's Mouth, your connection to the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center, Alberta CPAs, and business professionals. This podcast, presented by the CPA Education Foundation, features Alberta chartered professional accountants and others sharing their expertise and insights on a wide range of topics. Tune in regularly for eye-opening looks on leadership, business, education, and many issues of the day, straight from the CPA's mouth. Before we begin, in honor of the 94 calls to action put forth by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada, we'd like to acknowledge that CPA Education Foundation offices are situated on the traditional Treaty 6 and Treaty 7 territories. The Foundation acknowledges that we reside on traditional and ancestral territories of many Indigenous, First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples. Their histories and culture influence our community to this day. The CPA Education Foundation is committed to helping build a province where Indigenous peoples and their voices and experiences are heard, valued, respected, and celebrated. Welcome back to another episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. My name is Nikkei Fabii with the CPA Education Foundation, and I'll be your host for this episode. Continuous learning is a key component of the CPA profession in Canada. In fact, each Alberta CPA is required to participate in 120 hours of continuing professional development, or CPD, throughout a three-year rolling cycle. In 2019, the profession expanded its CPD requirements to include the completion of at least four hours of verifiable learning activities in the area of professional ethics. Joining me today via Zoom is Arun Mather, FCPA, FCA, LPA, Director and Lead Instructor at UltimQuest Knowledge, Inc., a corporate training company dedicated to creating ethics and governance champions in the corporate, public, and not-for-profit sectors. Through his work with UltimQuest, Arun has a passion for illustrating how operating with a strong ethical compass results in a return on investment. Let's hear Arun's thoughts on the importance of continuous learning straight from the CPA's mouth. Arun, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Nikkei. So nice of you to invite us to speak to the members at CPA Alberta. Yeah, we're definitely happy to have you. Um, We have a lot to talk about, so I'm hoping we can just dive in. You're someone who's mentioned that you feel passionately about creating ethics champions. So I'm curious to know, how do you define ethics? Um, more specifically in regards to business and organizations? So ethics is defined as moral principles that governs a person's behavior. So what we're talking about is how do we decide what to do? What are the principles that guide us? So underlying ethics is this concept of fairness and equity and a concept of what is for the greater good. So I guess if you wanted to contrast ethics with something unethical, something the opposite, it would, for example, might be like a might is right kind of a thinking where we don't care about other people, we only care about ourselves. So what I observe is that no society can actually survive if the majority of their people behave unethically. It just will not work. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you look at organizations, you look at businesses, my feeling is that those who behave ethically 
will actually survive, will actually succeed in the long run. The ones that take shortcuts, the ones that don't care about other people, the ones that don't care about equity and fairness, they actually will end up um, perishing. They'll end up going out of business. This is my life experience. This is what it showed me. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. I do really like how you touched on that uh, fairness and equity piece. Um, how do you believe that ethics has evolved throughout your career as a CPA and and within the profession? So I've been I've been working full time uh, since uh, graduation from university. It's been over four decades now. When I started, I think ethics was something that was assumed. So we didn't have courses on ethics. I, I don't recall anyone pulling me aside to say, let's discuss ethics. Mm-hmm. What's happened over these last so many decades is we see very large scale ethical failures. We see wrongdoing, we see frauds, we see, we see you know, failures in every sector, in the corporate sector, in the public sector and the not-for-profit sector. And the, the impression I have is there's also like an evolution going on over time where uh, a number of things were considered okay in the past, but today we're looking at them and saying, no, this is not okay. We're trying to correct them. So this is a huge task, right? Like we're, we're addressing centuries of wrongdoing and bad practices and, and trying to have a more equitable society. So for example, you know, um, you can think of ethics in a much broader way when you look at things like gender equity, you look at minority rights, the whole area of diversity, inclusion and equity. Mm-hmm. These areas have really gained a lot of significance in the last 10 years, uh, much, much more than when I started. Now, one thing important for us to acknowledge is that our profession is here to uphold the public interest. So this is what makes us a profession. We're not like hired guns. We can't, we cannot go out there and do whatever our client asks or whatever our employer asks. Mm-hmm. So ethics is really something that every CPA needs to think about. That's a really good point. And, and I like how you mentioned, you know, that the profession obviously is first and foremost, a profession to protect the public. So, you know, you really have to lead with that in mind, I guess. Exactly, exactly. So you've also mentioned um, that you're passionate about leading uh, with a strong ethical compass. So can you explain what that means to you? Sure, sure. So, you know, Nikkei, uh, I hear a lot of people when they talk about ethics, they are talking from a compliance point of view. So this is like someone saying, here are the rules, please follow the rules. Now, when I look at the life of a CPA, I look at the kinds of pressures we face on the job. They may be your bosses, they may be clients that are asking you to do something that you consider unethical. This is where the ethical compass comes in, right? Mm -hmm. So what I see in my 40 plus years of working is that people who are taking, let's say, shortcuts or taking unethical routes, making unethical types of decisions, this is like very short-term thinking. So they think, okay, I can cheat someone, I can lie, I can do something uh, which is expedient, but that's going to create some kind of a negative result in the future. So my thinking in terms of the ethical compass, it's a little bit like a farmer, right? If you plant a banana seed, you're going to get a banana plant. Mm -hmm. If you plant an apple seed, you're going to get an apple. So really you cannot have 
good actions coming out of, uh, you cannot ha have good results coming out of bad actions, right. right? So this that we saw, like if we're honest, if we're not cheating people, if we're doing the right things, we're going to create good results. If we're taking shortcuts, if we're dishonest, if we're lying and cheating, it might appear like we're getting ahead, but ultimately that's going to create a negative result in the long term, right? So, so it's my feeling that you cannot obtain good outcomes from bad actions. This is what my life experience shows me. Right. So we want to focus on doing the right actions that will create long-term benefit. So then in your opinion, because you use the example of, you know, someone saying that, oh, someone asked them to do something and they might not feel comfortable doing it. So how do you begin to, I guess, mitigate some of those ethical dilemmas? I know there's things like whistleblower policies that have become more popular, but do you think it's something that has to be rooted in the culture of the organization and then kind of trickle down from there? For sure, for sure. So it starts with the leadership. It starts with the tone at the top. It starts with what the leaders are doing, right? So for example, it's very easy for us to talk about ethics. We can say, yeah, we should be good. We should take care of each other or whatever. But the 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 organization is watching the leader's behavior. So, so it's not what we're talking that's more important. What's more important is what are we doing, right? So if you see dishonest behavior, if you see dishonest activity from the leaders, your code of conduct, your uh, code of ethics, your mission statement, all these nice things that people draw up mm -hmm. don't really mean anything because the leaders are, are not following them. Right. Right. So 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 I would say I would say uh, a couple of comments on this. Number one is uh, not only leaders, but everyone should stand up for their ethical compass. Right. So we should not succumb to being pushed into something, being pressured into something which we consider to be unethical. And this takes a lot of courage. Right. So confronting your seniors. Um, for example, standing up to doing what is right and so on is not easy, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to develop cultures which allow that. They have a high trust culture. They are willing to, to hear someone complaining that this may not be the way to go, right? So, so if you have, for example, the opposite of a good tone at the top would be like a bully at the top or a dishonest person at the top, uh, they don't want to hear about your moral compass because they're just saying, do this. I don't care how you do it. Right. right. So this is where the corporate culture comes into play. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Um, so for the organizations, you know, that do have a really good corporate culture and they stand by and actually action their vision and their mission and all that. What would you perceive as the return on investment for organizations that lead with ethics in mind? So, uh, so there are a lot of different returns, and this is an area which I feel very, very strongly about because I don't look at it simply as compliance. Like I'm saying, okay, let's look at what is in our best interest. So number one, I would say is that if we are ethical, you're going to avoid lawsuits, you're going to avoid uh, audits and uh, penalties from regulators, things like that. Mm -hmm. Number two, I'm saying that if you're ethical, your employees will be more engaged because people want to work for for ethical organizations, not for unethical organizations. Number three, in our courses, we talk about having better relationships with your stakeholders 
when you behave ethically. So, you know, you can look at your relationship with CRA, you can look at your relationship with lenders, with suppliers, customers, employees. If we're honest with them, if we care about them, we're going to have better relationships with them. And that better relationship will help us to succeed in our business, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The the last two comments that I make, uh, number four is that if you avoid lawsuits and if you avoid non-compliance penalties and all of that, if you have um, good relationships with stakeholders and good engaged employees, uh, you're not going to be hiding what you did. You're not going to be trying to keep your story straight. You're not going to be wasting time with lawyers, courts, and regulators. You can actually focus on business opportunities. You can focus on improving business processes and doing productive work. So that's what's going to increase your bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you're trying to do in business, right? right? Right. The last two items are customer loyalty and reputation. So what I'm saying in terms of customer loyalty is that if we behave with our customer ethically, we deliver value, we treat them with respect, we're honest and straightforward with them, they're going to give us repeat business, they're going to give us referrals. We don't have to knock on doors, we don't have to try and generate new business. The existing customer is going to give us business and help us to expand our business. And really customer loyalty is the secret to success no matter what business you do, right? Mm -hmm. The the last part, reputation, what I'm getting at is if you do all of these things that I just mentioned, then your company will have a positive market reputation. So that reputation will affect recruiting good candidates for jobs. It'll improve your batting average with your bank. You'll have a better relationship with customers, suppliers, with the regulators, everybody. Right. Right. So having a good reputation comes from having ethical practices. If you're dishonest, if you're cheating, if you're taking shortcuts, you'll actually end up having a negative reputation. And we see that as well. Right. We see companies doing wrong things. There's a huge scandal. There's a fraud. Yes. Their share value goes down. They have huge multimillion dollar. They're they're companies that have paid billions of dollars in fines. Right. So, So that impacts their reputation in a very negative way. The other thing that uh, Nikkei, we saw during COVID in the last two years, we actually looked at Canadian companies that took an ethical approach towards the crisis, towards the way they dealt with their employees. These companies were able to cope with COVID. We also saw other Canadian companies that purely had a financial interest. They didn't care about their people. Mm -hmm. So they were focused on the bottom line. They were focused on achieving profit. And in those companies, when COVID came around, their people just fled. They didn't stand there to help them. So some of these companies actually went out of business during COVID. So what I'm getting at is these are the returns on investment. It doesn't matter what sector you're in, what business you're doing, even for the public sector and not for profit. If we behave ethically, we're going to be able to achieve our goals and and hit our bottom line kind of targets. Right. That's great. And it seems to me, just based on everything you've shared, that it's more of a long game. So organizations shouldn't necessarily be focused on, you know, the short term gains. They should be thinking of the bigger picture in the longer term. A hundred percent. I agree with you a hundred percent because sometimes, you know, people do things that are expedient, right? They do something to get a, you know, earnings target or get some quick kind of a requirement. Uh, And definitely that comes back to haunt us, right? So we have to think short-term and long-term both. Mm -hmm. That's great. 
So when I was doing research for this episode, um, within the continuous learning umbrella, um, two of the terms that were uh, brought up were this idea of upskilling and reskilling. So, you know, an employee gains additional skills or potentially also the process of learning new skills and how it relates to employee retention. And I think that kind of ties into what you said before previously, but Keeping in mind the future, uh, what skills do you consider as universal? So whether you're a CPA or you have another career path. So, so this is such a timely question, uh, Nikkei. I'm so happy you asked this question. You know, even prior to COVID, our profession actually changed the name of the CPA magazine from CPA Canada magazine to Pivot, right? So you can see that we're in a very, very uncertain time, right? This is the time of disruption. COVID, of course, just accelerated that disruption. So the idea of skilling and upskilling and being kind of future ready and so on is very, very critical, right? Mm -hmm. It's not something that members can sit back and say, oh, you know, it doesn't affect me. I don't care. So to answer your question in terms of the type of skills, uh, I can tell you that pretty much every human being is terrified of public speaking, right. right? And not only public speaking, but even speaking up. So I've seen, for example, in board meetings, I've seen in management meetings, very smart people have very good ideas. They don't speak up, right? They hesitate. We're kind of thinking, oh, maybe this will make us look foolish. Maybe this is not such a good idea. And within four or five minutes, somebody else expresses the same view and the whole meeting goes in that direction. They look really smart. You had the same idea, but you didn't speak up, right? So, so I think our ability to speak up in meetings, our ability to uh, have confidence in our thoughts and so on is very, very critical for leadership. And I think how we speak and the ability to speak concisely, the ability to see how things can be done, what things cannot be done, this is something we can all work on, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing I see, and this is also relating to communication, I see that um, many CPAs actually struggle to communicate the meaning within financial statements and within financial information using plain language, using language that non-accountants can understand. So this is a very sad state of affairs. I've been watching this for over two decades now, and clients have said this to me, people have said this to me in board meetings, I've observed it firsthand, where very senior people in our profession are unable to explain what the financial statements mean, um, because they're not able to dumb it down. They're not able to simplify the language so that a non-accountant can understand, right? Mm -hmm. So this is something that really concerns me. I'm observing this. A couple of other thoughts in terms of skills. Um, I'm also observing that many of our members are very risk averse. So, you know, we're highly trained in all that. We don't really know how to evaluate risk. We don't know whether we should take risk. And, you know, even when you look at career planning and all that, it might even impact our career changes. Like we're hesitating because we don't know how much risk to take. A couple of other thoughts I have is, you know, generally speaking, our image in the society is that of being very serious people. So CPAs are contemplating the worst case scenario. We're unable to see the upside of a potential venture. 
So all of these kinds of things, to me, the underlying issue is communication. So we want to build up our communication skills. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we have this term soft skills. So soft skills will take communication, leadership, all these other things. So I believe that if CPAs focus on building their communication skills, building their soft skills, we can even overcome this label that profession has inherited the label of being a bean counter. Right. So if we show that we're leaders, we can think, we can think of not only the worst case, but best case. So I have a very high opinion of our profession. I meet people across the country. Uh, our profession attracts very smart, very intelligent people. They're hardworking, dedicated people. But in my own career, I, I don't recall anyone emphasizing soft skills over these last 30, 40 years in my life. Mm -hmm. No, you've touched on some really good points. And I think a lot of people do rely on, you know, the expertise that CPAs have. So the ability to be able to interpret those financials and put it into very simplified terms is extremely important as they work with a variety of different people with a variety of different knowledge levels. Right, right. So I guess on the flip side of that, are there any skills that you might consider to be overlooked currently? So, uh, you know, I think the technical part is pretty obvious, right? Like you have to have technical skills in order to get your certification and designation, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all these management and soft skills where our members have to seek them out and have to do this. You know, to give you an example, when you talk about public speaking, we offered a course in uh, January and, you know, we have what, uh, 200,000 members across the country. Mm -hmm. We had four, four people who registered out of 200,000, right? Wow. <laughs> no, so I, th I think communication is what I'm focusing on, right? We can improve our communication skills in terms of public speaking, in terms of leadership, in terms of how do you interact with people? How do you motivate people? Um, how do you make things work? Because, you know, we're strong with the technical areas, right? I don't think any CPAs are lacking when it comes to accounting, auditing, or tax, right? Like we're, no. we've spent years working on that, right? Mm -hmm. So also under the umbrella of continuous learning is micro-credentials. So, you know, these are shorter term certificates or courses, a lot of them that can be completed online. Um, they've really gained popularity over the past few years. Uh, what are your thoughts on micro-credentialing as a form of continuous learning? So, so I think, uh, Nikki, I think this is a fantastic opportunity. And uh, getting into micro-credentials, to me, would indicate that you're interested in continuous learning. And an attitude of continuous learning actually will boost your career and is going to bring joy in anybody's life. So the main thing is to identify these new skills, gain these new skills, through the micro learning and then uh, through the micro um, the credentials that you mentioned. And then what we want to do is, is gain some expertise by applying these skills. And that would be a phenomenal way to boost our careers, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've been harping on public speaking, but Warren Buffett said that public speaking actually changed his life, right? So he took a public speaking course and then that kind of accelerated his life and so on. So any kind of emerging issue that CPAs are identifying, like emerging issues in the marketplace, we can use micro-credentials as a way to gain some expertise. So, you know, we see lots of emerging issues in front of us today. We've got the whole area of automation, we've got artificial intelligence, 
business is completely globalized today, right? Mm -hmm. The workforce is coming from all over. You've got data analytics, you've got crypto and blockchain. These are all uh, current things that are in a growth kind of a stage. And similarly, you've got things like climate change, ESG, which is uh, environmental, social, and governance issues. Yes. You've got a yes. whole emerging area called social impact accounting. So this is like someone, this is almost like a new profession, someone who would, who would look at an organization's actions and calculate the social impact of their work, right? The social impact accounting will be an emerging field. So I, I would recommend, uh, you know, continuous learning is kind of intuitive to me. I've been like that since very early in my life, but uh, I think that's an area that we can all benefit from. Right. So you've mentioned this idea of like public speaking and then some of the things more on the technology side. Are there any um, certificates that you're aware of that you would recommend that you think would benefit or complement a CPA designation? So um, I know I did the CISA designation many years ago when I specialized in computer audit. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in today's market, I think, uh, I mean, I, I can't point towards any uh, specific certification, but, but I think uh, it's almost essential, right? So whether you select automation or data analytics, crypto, ESG, social impact accounting, whatever certification is offered through the CPA bodies, through the experts in the marketplace, I would pursue and I would explore and I would, I would sign up. So I can't really recommend any one specific thing, but whatever is available through the CPA bodies, I would definitely pursue that. That's great. Thank you so much. So through your work with Altum Quest Knowledge, um, you did touch on this a little bit, I think, um, in terms of the social impact accounting, but uh, what are some of the continuous learning or professional development trends that you've noticed? So a couple of things come to mind. Um, you know, one thing as time is going on, we see that people's attention span is getting shorter, right? Mm -hmm. Like you cannot ask someone to sit for a full day course. It's very difficult to engage people. You know, in the old days, we used to have a, a live course, 40, 50, 60 people in a room, and you spend a day talking about ethics or talking about governance or whatever. I think in today's day and age, it's very hard to get that kind of uh, time from people. The other thing I noticed with COVID, we've switched over to virtual training in pretty much a wholesale and a sudden kind of manner out of necessity. So with the virtual training, we're able to reach out to CPAs in remote areas. But I think with virtual, the uh, engagement becomes even more challenging, right? right. We're, we're trying to we're trying to replicate a personal interaction, being in the same room and all of that through the technology. Uh, I've been very successful, actually. I have to say it's worked, but it's it's much much harder to make it work, right? Mm -hmm. um, Finally, what I'll say, we're actually working, we're just in the process of completing a research project in our company. We're examining where CPAs are struggling and where there are gaps in our profession in, in terms of careers. Uh, so what we've been asking members is to uh, tell us about what are they planning to do with their careers and to tell us whether or not they're happy in their positions, right? So if you want to take a minute, I can tell you some of the findings we have so far on that project. Yes, please. I would love that. Okay. So a theme that has emerged is that many of our members are interested in moving into leadership positions, 
but they don't feel that they have the people skills that are required. So the kinds of things they're talking about is, you know, how do you lead a team of people? How do you delegate? How do you motivate? How do you engage your team members? How do you deal with conflict? How do you obtain consensus in a meeting? All of these things that, you know, business leaders and others are, are doing, our members are interested in learning those types of skills, mm -hmm. right? Um, so a number of our members have said that they have received a lot of training in their lives. And of course, CPD is part of that. But they're also saying that a lot of this training is not really helping them with the real life situations. So to give you an example, like in my ethics course, we talk about how do you confront your seniors and how do you confront your clients when there's an ethical dilemma, yes. right? So in other words, your client asks you to do something, your boss asks you to do something and you think, okay, this is not ethical. This is a violation of the code of conduct. I'm, I don't want to do this. How do you go about confronting that, right? Mm -hmm. Also, we also talk about when you face an ethical dilemma, what is the approach? Like, so we explain a step-by-step -step approach. How do you proceed through this to come up with the best kind of decision, right? Uh, finally, the, uh, the last theme that members are telling us about is um, they're interested in having mentors. They're interested in having people who can guide them, who can advise them on very specific issues that they're facing. So these are things you can't search out on the internet. These are things that are highly confidential, right. but they need some guidance, right? They need some advice. So, so currently in our company, we're working on a program to address all of these themes. And I'll be sharing that with uh, CP Alberta over the next two months or so. Oh, that's great. Can't wait. <laughs> I think that's a really good place um, to leave it. Arun, thank you so much for sharing your expertise. It's very clear that you have a vast amount of knowledge um, and I'm definitely excited to learn more about those findings, but I know that I'm sure many of our listeners have benefited um, from your stories today and I think they will very much enjoy this conversation that we had. So thank you. Thank you so much, Nikkei. It's a real pleasure for me always to talk to members at CPA Alberta. I actually grew up in Alberta in a small town just outside Edmonton. So I have very uh, fond memories of that period. This was back in the 60s. So um, I'm delighted to address members from CPA Alberta. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. This episode featured Arun Mather, FCPA, FCA, LPA, Director and Lead Instructor at UltimQuest Knowledge. Don't forget to subscribe to the Straight from the CPA's Mouth mailing list for exclusive content. If you like what you're hearing, have ideas for future episodes, or have any feedback you'd like to share, email us at knowledgecenter at cpaalberta.ca or leave us a comment on social media. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Straight from the CPA's Mouth is produced by the CPA Education Foundation, the charitable arm of the CPA profession in Alberta. This podcast is made possible by Brian Heshey, FCPA, FCA. Thanks to Brian's generous donation, the foundation created the Heshey CPA Knowledge Center, a virtual hub of resources for all Albertans. Find out more about the foundation and the Knowledge Center at cpaalberta.ca slash foundation.